Hello and welcome to Bondcast, a podcast series where we discuss our views on the latest themes and events shaping rates markets. I'm Imogen Bakra, UK rate strategist, and I'm very excited to be joined in the room for anyone that's watching, although I appreciate most people are listening, so they can't tell, but we are all for once in the same room uh, with Jan Navruzzi and Giles Gale. Um, I feel like it's been ages since we've caught up properly on the pod. Obviously, last week we did a year ahead special. So, Jan, let's start with you. I know, super annoyingly, we're recording this on Wednesday for anyone listening. So, just before the two key events of the week from a US perspective, Powell speaking this evening, and obviously the jobs data on Friday. Not ideal, but let's just think, I guess, bigger picture. First of all, with the jobs data on Friday. How important is that really going to be for the Fed's outlook? And, you know, how much is this going to matter? How much of a big upside or downside surprise are we going to need to see for this to kind of throw the Fed off course, do you think? Yeah, I mean, so far the Fed has been very much so uh, focused on one side of the mandate, so inflation. And jobs have really been more of a of an annoyance rather than supporting them, right? Like we've seen continued job gains over the past months when uh, what the Fed would have liked to see is a uh, switch in the other direction, see job made more losses perhaps in this case. Uh, today we got the ADPs which were less than, uh, lower than consensus. If that uh, if that means anything for NFPs, then, you know, it, would it be enough to scare the Fed? I don't think so, not yet. But last month's inflation number was good news. And if you start seeing a beginning of a trend of, well, job gains are moderating or disappearing and inflation is kind of trending in the right direction, it's definitely what the Fed wants to see. But uh, it, it is a very nuanced of, there is a nuance in how fast job decreases start because if it's a gradual uh, drop in the in, in kind of like the uh, job additions, then you actually open up the room for the whole soft landing scenario where unemployment doesn't quite go up that much, and then the labor market kind of like softens a little bit and inflation keeps trending lower. Uh, but so far, I don't think we're at the point where I could say the Fed is going to look at this jobs number and, and be like, okay, well, we got to change uh, change our path here. They're still laser-focused on inflation, and if anything, this could support their view, but it's unlikely to derail them in any meaningful or actionable way. So I guess just thinking about the Fed a bit more, obviously it seems like a while ago now, but since we last caught up, we had the Fed minutes. Mm-hmm. It was obviously the minutes from a meeting that, from a market's perspective, was a bit confusing because it seemed like the statement was very dovish and then the rhetoric in the uh, press conference was much more hawkish. How did the minutes reflect either of those tones, do you think? That's right. Uh, the, the statement itself had that sentence which uh, discussed about the significant lines in monetary policy and uh, you know the, the, the FOMC is going to consider uh, the tightening that's already been delivered. So what we were looking to see was a little bit more information on what those lags in the in the statement meant. We didn't really get too much from that. What we what we did uh, see in the minutes was that uh, you know a substantial substantial group of uh, within the board were the, thinking that now would be appropriate to slow down the pace of ice, which almost kind of locks you into a 50 base point for December. Not really out of market consensus either. Uh, other than that, like I said, not too much discussions on lags or what significant tightening meant. But what we did get was uh, more concerns that were being voiced around uh, risk to the to the financial stability as rates move to that point. And uh, as soon as the, the Fed meeting, well, post the Fed meeting, our analysis was similar to that. 
that sentence almost felt like a compromise between the, uh, the side of the, the within the Fed that is worried about financial risks and those who are less worried about financial risks and are a lot more focused on inflation and want to keep hiking. Uh, I think Powell probably falls to the uh, to the latter rather than the formal uh, former. But uh, overall, and also the minutes, they do get tweaked for tone a little bit, but they're not really the platform to push back against market, uh, against anything really from the from market pricing. Uh, what we could see, and this could be disproven in two hours, but uh, I do think that Powell has the opportunity to now set the stage for, uh, for to kind of like correct markets a little bit towards higher yields and tighten financial conditions as we head into the quiet period uh, before the meeting. So you think that's probably on balance, you would see him kind of being more hawkish than more dovish? I think so. And, and I do think Powell leans more hawkish than that. And uh, yields have come down, the dollar is weakened, and equities have moved higher. Perhaps for a good reason, inflation has shown an uh, improvement in, you know, what well, is some moderation. Uh, but I don't think one number is going to be enough for them to declare victory and say, well, we're kind of okay with rates coming down yet. Maybe if we see a couple more months, like early next year, then it will dial it back a little bit. But I think he has every incentive to push yields a little bit higher and not much to let them kind of like keep drifting lower. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I guess that leads nicely onto the euro area because it's not just in the US that we've obviously seen this kind of almost relentless rally in rates, although I do note that it's shifted a little bit today. But I guess more broadly speaking, you know, we've come a long way off the highs now in, in rates. What's driving that? Is that a fundamental shift? Has market, have markets really reassessed the kind of direction of travel of monetary policy and growth and inflation? Or is this just you know, month-end, year-end squeeze? Yeah, I mean, quite simply, I don't think anything's changed. I think it is exactly that. Um, you know, we often see slightly odd price action into, into the year-end. And, you know, I mean, being short has been a popular trade. Um, it's easy to say now, of course, with the, the benefit of a little hindsight. Um, but I don't see anything on the on, on the growth or the inflation dynamics that really paint a dramatically different picture to the one that we were discussing just last week in our year ahead. So I think it's just a question of re-engaging with, uh, with those themes. I guess the inflation dynamic has been the, the key theme this week, if you like. We saw... I guess some mixed mixed inflation numbers out of Europe, but but the headline was that European inflation has surprised to the downside and come off on a month-on-month -month basis. Is is that the peak now? Is is the peak in? Yeah, well, so Madame Lagarde in the Parliament this week um, seemed to suggest that, but well, she seemed to trying to take a little bit of the enthusiasm for <laughs> for, for calling a peak in inflation out. Um, but it does rather look like October was probably the peak in. In inflation, and you know, we will now see a moderation in the year-on-year -year rate. I don't think it matters all that much for for. I mean, nothing is is it's going to dramatically change. I don't think until early next year. I mean, we're we're still monitoring the the, the dynamics of uh, of disinflation. And uh, I mean, above all, we're you know, we're worried about what the momentum in the the economy is going to to, to look like now instead of four months from now when we are calling for the ECB to to put in a pause um, 
So, so no, I don't think it changes all that much, but it certainly does make it a little bit more likely that we have uh, a 50 basis point move at the next ECB meeting, which of course is what we've been calling for all along, but there has been some um, desire in the market to, to, to depress a little bit more than that, or at least to risk something. Right. Um, the only other thing I wanted to ask was this week we've all, as well, as all listeners will know, we published our year ahead last week. Uh, so this week we've basically been road-showing um, all of the kind of key themes and views, uh, a lot with UK clients, but obviously Jan is here and, and has been travelling around Europe as well. So we've seen a huge amount of clients over the last couple of weeks. What have they been asking you or what have they been worried about heading into 2023? So I think really two questions have uh, been the most uh, recurrent. The, the first you've already asked me. Oh, um, <laughs> so ahead of the game. Yeah. No, well, in, indeed, which is, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm looking at the rally that we've had yeah. and what am I missing? Yeah. Um, so, so that's come up uh, again and, uh, and again. And the other uh, question, I guess, has just been related to that. Okay, you're telling me all these you know, all, all these stories which don't appear to be playing out, uh, particularly in the market. When am I looking to, to time some of these things? When am I going to get short? When am yeah. I going to start uh, to, to, to move into to steepness? When is this going to start working? And, yeah, I mean, we have been... Maybe it's something better for me to, to, to deal with in the next one because we're, no, we're, we're looking at the calendar at the moment, we're looking at the flows. But broadly speaking, I think that you, you link that to, to two things. Uh, one, the communication at the next ECB meeting. Um, and two, the resumption of supply in, uh, in January. So you know, those are the two, maybe the two rather easy. Um, but yeah. I know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with these. <laughs> yeah, I guess just um, before we move away from Europe, well, I guess a nice segue into the UK is just to add that on the UK side, they're exactly the same questions that, that we've been fielding as well. Like, why are rates rallying when you're telling me they're going 100 plus basis points higher? And if they are going higher and curves are going steeper, when is the right time to put, put the trade on? And, and very similar, I think it's, it, well, hopefully the December NPC will provide a bit of direction, but also the supply calendar for, for Q1 and beyond. Okay, which I guess begs the question, um, given all the central bank speak that we have had um, in, in the last week, has, has anything happened or anything been said that makes you change your mind on the 75 basis point rate rise that you're calling for there? Because I'm there has been pushback on that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would say, you know, although the year ahead has been all about kind of presenting our views for 2023, actually probably one of the views that we are most off consensus on uh, is our call for a 75 basis point hike in December from the Bank of England. I should be clear that that, you know, we view that as a pretty close call. I think, you know, 55, 45, between 75 and 50 would be a reasonable kind of probability of, of thinking about this. But the reasons that we're pushed or, or lean more towards 75 right now is broadly that, you know, the justification for going 75 in November was that the data was strong and they were seeing signs of persistence and persistent inflation to the extent that inflation was really persistent back in November, it probably is still persistent six weeks later in December. Uh, the data that we've had since then has obviously, you know, surprised to the upside both on the labour market but on the inflation side as well. Remember the October print came at 11.1. This morning we've had PRC inflation which showed 
food and non-food components, which has implications for core inflation, surprising to the upside as well. So there's nothing kind of in the data that I think would would make you suggest that you would want to take your foot off the gas at at this point. Um, And the other, I guess, key point is just that, you know, to the extent that the bank felt comfortable enough in pushing back on market pricing for rates in the November meeting, that probably means that they have, or they feel like they have right now, more confidence in where, in, you know, a kind of range of, of where rates need to get to ultimately. And if you have more confidence in where you think peak or terminal rates will be, why not just get there sooner and do 75? You know, if you still think there's another 100, 125 basis points worth of hikes that need to be done, why not just deliver 75 and, and be at that higher level of rates sooner? Um, but like I say, that is a, a more off consensus view. And you can see that in market pricing. I think the market's looking for roughly about 60 basis points of hikes in December. Um, this week we have, heard, or in the last couple of weeks, we've heard from quite a few speakers, I guess notably Pill, Bailey and Mann in the last couple of days. Mann was kind of typically hawkish, talking about you know persistence of inflation and, and how that's now become embedded in inflation expectations. Um, she's obviously always at the more hawkish end of expectations. So I think, you know, if you were reading that speech, you would see justification for 75. But even Pearl's comments this morning, I thought they leaned quite hawkishly. You know, he did talk about the risks around the persistence of inflation, um, second round effects, uh, the tightness of the labour market, the fact that fiscal tightening is is quite backloaded and doesn't really come in until beyond the the bank's kind of uh, forecast horizon. So... I think if you thought 50 or 75, you could probably read into either of, or any of the speeches that we've had this week and, and kind of find arguments for or against. Uh, but on balance, nothing that really changes our view yet um, for 75 basis points in December. Okay, very clear. Um, okay, so the other thing that's happened... That <laughs> very clear indeed. Um, Can you tell I've defended that view a lot over the last two weeks? A little bit. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> very practiced, that's very good. Um, so the other thing that's been happening this week is that we have had the start of the unwind of the, the quasi-QT. Um, yeah. How's that going? Well, we've had two auctions so far. Um, The first one uh, was a little bit weaker, I suppose, in in terms of demand than the second one. Yesterday, we only had about 400 billion worth of bids. And today we had, sorry, 400 million. uh, And today we've had just over a billion. So hard to read too much into two auctions, I don't think. But probably in terms of a market reaction and the fact that there are bids and that people are showing up to these auctions, uh, I don't think the BOE will be too displeased. I guess maybe today was slightly bigger than yesterday, just on account of kind of month end flows and um, uh, and the demand that that, that creates. Um, but overall, I think the market so far has kind of taken it in its stride a little bit, and, and the Bank of England won't be unhappy with with what's been going on. But obviously, you know. It, it's still a long way to go <laughs> and we're going to be having three of these auctions every week for the foreseeable I guess it's worth noting well into next year do you think well yeah at this pace well into next year you know they've got 19 billion to to, to sell down and they've sold just over one now so um at that kind of a run rate we're talking about 19 weeks <laughs> or just less than 19 weeks um the the I guess the important thing to note here is that next week will be the last week of 
active QT. And then we will have one more week of these kind of quasi QT sales and then a pause for um, uh, for Christmas and the new year. And then we'll come back in January. So for them to get 19 billion done at, at this kind of a pace before Christmas, I think would be yeah <laughs> very punchy <laughs> to say the least so yeah i think we're looking up at well into next year but but perhaps you know the bank of england's thinking about this being wrapped up by the end of this fiscal year i'm sure they would they would like to to see that done the other way that we can peer into next year of course is that we've just had the uh, the supply calendar oh yes um any surprises in there um, not hugely, I guess the, the minutes from the investor meeting and, and the agenda is always kind of published beforehand, so we get a good steer of what to expect. I guess the major surprise was, or surprise, was in, in terms of the long-end syndication. So we knew that the DMO was looking to do one long-end syndication next quarter, um, but it, the jury seemed kind of out over whether uh, investors and jams would prefer 30-year or 40-year. Um, and I think actually in the minutes it said investors preferred 40-year and gems kind of were split between the two. And in the end, they opted for a 30-year. So maybe just a slight surprise on that. But, but given that they've kind of generally been shifting the issuance profile in the last couple of remit updates to the shorter end, I, you know, they've been doing much more kind of shorts and mediums and really trying to... Uh, shrink that weighted average maturity of, of the outstanding debt. Perhaps it's really not that much of a surprise that they opted to go for the um, uh, shorter end of that maturity bracket. Otherwise, no huge surprises. Uh, you know, we've obviously had a lot of supply talk or fiscal talk over the last couple of weeks. But um, you know, to, to answer one of the questions that you were talking about in terms of timing and, and when does all the supply really start to matter, I think that. You know, the beginning of next year is when we'll really start to kind of reprice significantly and, and think about all the supply that's to come. Um, I think the next few weeks can be a bit quieter. And, and obviously, like I say, with QT and active sales winding down a little bit, then it's probably a, a 2023 theme more than a 2023 theme. Cool. Okay. All right. Our first live, <laughs> live ever in-person podcast wrapped up. Thank you both for joining me in the room. Uh, and to our listeners, thanks for joining again this week. Just a reminder, if you liked today's episode, please don't forget to hit the like button and click subscribe so you can get the latest episodes as soon as they're available. Thanks. See you next week. <laughs>